Hey, welcome to another episode of Mortgage Fundamentals Podcast. My name is Daniel Mosqueda, your host and subject matter expert. And today I am joined with my good friend, Rick Ako. How are you doing, Rick? Great. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Oh, man. Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the last time you were here was a few weeks ago, and we did a, a couple of these. And I know we're going to kind of change the tone on how we approach it this time. But can you tell the people a little bit about yourself again? Well, I'm a realtor here in Las Vegas mm -hmm. and living in Las Vegas for 20 years and okay. been a realtor for over six. Nice. It's a pretty long time. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about today's subject. So I think we're going to be touching on down payments and closing costs, which is a subject you really wanted to go over for sure with all the buyers since it seems to be. It can be confusing. The the whole The whole ordeal of real estate can be confusing. It's a lot to take in. It, it is a lot to take in. It's a lot of information. And it's not one of those things that even myself as a lender really became an expert in until I was maybe a year or two into the, into the business. Because it is a lot of different information and it's so much to go through. It took me three years to be comfortable in real estate. Yeah. So don't... There's so much to learn. They, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And you never stop learning. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And that's one of the things, guys. Do not feel intimidated. Do not feel like you're not grasping things in a sense. Because if it took us that long to kind of get this, you know, to to be experts in what we do, it, you shouldn't be trying to learn it in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you know. So do not feel discouraged. That's right. All right. All right. So let's start off with the first part. I think we're going to be talking about down payments. So what is a down payment? Well, a down payment is a deposit that you're making to the bank for whatever type of loan you're doing, just to ensure that the bank's risk is mitigated um, and making sure that they feel comfortable with you taking on this loan and taking on this risk and that you are more than likely going to be making those payments in the future, right? That's right. And also, I want to point out that down payment mm -hmm. is, is made right before you take possession of the home yep before it records in southern nevada mm -hmm. um you don't get the keys at closing it has to record first so you go to the closing mm -hmm. sign all your paperwork then that buyer goes to the bank mm -hmm. and wires the money yep so closing just so you guys know is not something or down payment i'm sorry the down payment isn't something you make immediately so i don't think you have to have that kind of right away correct you just need to make sure you have it before it's time for us to close or whenever the lender is getting done with your loan. Um, so that's basically what a down payment is, right? Um, and I know you brought up another topic because there's some confusion between that and the earnest money deposit, right? Yeah. Deposit, deposit. Yeah. There's... You know, let's get confused here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's just, as a side note, as a quick preface, uh, earnest money deposit is not your down payment, but it can be applied towards your down payment at closing. Um, an earnest money deposit is actually a deposit made to let the seller know that you're serious about purchasing the home or to make the seller feel more comfortable with you not just walking away from the contract, whereas the down payment is just to ensure uh, the bank that you're going to be moving forward with the loan. Earnest money deposit is skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say that usually it's 1% of the purchase price. Usually. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes I'll, I'll do 1% or just a little bit above, mm -hmm. but going 
two percent. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that's it's just uh, earnest money deposit for the most part. I know I'm a little jargoning right there, but earnest money deposit for the most part is just a deposit you're going to be making. It's just something I wanted to bring up real quick. Um, but we'll keep moving on to what a down payment is. Now, why do I need a down payment? I kind of mentioned it a little bit in what I've mentioned or in the definition of a down payment, but it's just to ensure the risk to the bank when it comes to you purchasing the home. Um, there are a lot of different programs that offer or require a certain amount of a minimum down payment, FHA 3.5, conventional 3%, VA, nothing. But, you know, it's just, again, something you give the bank to ensure that you're going to be serious about purchasing a home and that the risk is minimal. But you could with a VA. You can. You can. No one is saying to only put 3.5% yep. down. <laughs> you can put more down, FYI. If you want. If you want. Of course, of course. Um, and how do I know what amount I need to put down? It's a question, right? Great question. Well, two things. First is the loan program. Are we going conventional? Are we going FHA? Are we going USDA, VA? And then the purchase type. There are different kinds of purchasing scenarios. One is if you're prim purchasing a primary home. Another one is if you're purchasing a second home. And then the third one is an investment property. Um, each of those are going to have minimum requirements in terms of the down payment. Um, another one is going to do your credit risk. That'll also determine how much you'll need to put down, um, whether or not the bank feels that you need to put a little bit more down because maybe you had. What are those ranges? Is it, it's based on FICO. Yeah, it's based on FICO. Um, so you can get a loan for the most part, I think, with a credit score as low as 540. So, wow. Yeah. So if you want to get into a house and you think your bet credit's bad, it's probably not that bad. But they'll have to have more down. They'll have to have more down with a 540. I think you'll have about 10% down. Anything below 580. And what, what product is that? It's FHA. Wow. Yeah. But if you want to get into a home and you got the 10% down, might as well do it. And then the other reason or the other thing that will determine how much you put down will be what if you're trying to maybe get a better rate. Maybe you're trying to lower the cost in your rate. Maybe you're not worried about the cost in your rate. You'd rather have a slightly lower rate and then buy down the rate in a sense. Um, so that's one of the reasons you can, or one of the ways you can figure out how much you need to put down. And then the other one is, why do I need to pay this? Um, I, like I said, I, may, I mentioned it. It's just credit risk. Insuring the bank that they're not going to lose out any money if you default. All right. All right. And how, who has to make the down payment? Who do you think has to make the down payment, Rick? Well. <laughs> is it you? No. Okay. I'm glad. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, we don't get paid enough for that, guys. <laughs> but uh, we, you have to be the one who makes the down payment. Now, there are scenarios where you can have a grant or down payment assistance program. We'll get into that in a little bit later on the topic. But essentially, you're the one who has to make the down payment. You can have the closer or the seller pay your down payment. It's more or less um, a minimum contribution, which we call in the lender world, meaning the minimum contribution has to come from you to ensure that you're going to be moving forward with this loan. What about gifts? Wow, that's a good point. It's coming from you because you've been gifted the money, but yes, gifts as well. So if you are getting a gift from a family member. Gift letter. Gift letter. You need a gift letter. Does it have to be seasoned? 
Um, the money also has to be seasoned. <laughs> and what is seasoning, Rick? Well, it's a period of time that the money's in your account. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially, we don't want you to bring a down payment. Oh, that's actually a really good point right there, huh? You don't want to bring a down payment that's all cash. Right, the banks don't like cash. Cash is king in certain things, but yeah, I got my briefcase right over here. Yeah, exactly. You got guys... cash. <laughs> you don't want to bring cash. Uh, the banks want to make sure that that money is legit. It isn't any form of money laundering or anything like that. So the money at least has to sit in your account for two to three months. You know what I mean? And it also has to sit in the gifter's account for a certain period of time. Now, yep. I've had that situation. It's happened you a know, lot. People keep money underneath the bed. It happens a lot. Take it out, put it in the bank. We'll yeah. talk in two months. Yeah. Um, I think my the favorite thing that I hear from people is like, I don't trust banks. I don't want my money in there. Yada, yep. yada, yada. And I get it. Everybody always has their fears when it comes to banks. That's okay. Keep printing. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to keep printing. <laughs> They're going to keep printing their money. Um, I, I have my personal opinion on it. I think keeping in your money in your house is a little bit more riskier than keeping it at a bank because at least it's FDIC insured in a bank up to a certain amount. Whereas there is no insurance on your money in your mattress. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have a fire, mm -hmm. bye-bye. Yeah. So just you do whatever you want with your money. It's your money. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, the deposit has to come from you. Um, each program is going to have something a little bit different. Right. So uh, let's just move on from that one. Now, differentiating the down payment percentages. Let's start off with demystifying something, sir. Sure. Do you need 20% down to get into a house? Nope. Why not? Uh, well, it kind of depends <laughs> what you're going to use that house for. That's true. It, you do if you're an investor yeah. or a vacation home or mm -hmm. second home, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're doing stuff like that, yeah, you're still going to need the down payment. But during 20%. COVID, it was 30%. Ooh. Lenders were asking, right? In, in some cases. I believe some lenders were actually upping the amounts of a lot of things, even credit scores during COVID. Um, they, they had some strict overlays. Overlays, guys, are when banks add more restrictions to the regular guidelines. How often does that happen? Um, every bank is going to be a little bit different, but I can see during... And when, when, when you say bank, you're talking about any kind of lender, any kind of lender, whether it's a broker, mortgage bank, mortgage lender, they all set their own um, rules. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but every lender can make different rules as long as they're more restrictive than the standard rules that FHA sets place or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac do for conventional loans. So they have to be more restrictive. They have to be more restrictive. They can't be less, less restrictive. Okay, the that makes sense. Yeah. So the example I gave last time is if FHA says that you can get a loan at, with a credit score as low as 540, I as a lender cannot go and say, you know what, I'd rather do it at 500. You know? And the reason for that is because these loans actually get sold to the secondary market, which is either FHA or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And they will not take that loan. So you'll get stuck with it as a mortgage broker, mortgage lender, et cetera, et cetera. And these are not things you normally hold on your pipeline or in your portfolio, excuse me. Um, but so for down payments, not one size fits all for everybody. Um, however, you might get a better interest rate if you put 20% down, though, right? Yep, absolutely. Right? It, it can help. 
Yeah, it really depends on the loan. Um, and if you have the money. If you have the money, absolutely. Um, you could get better buying power if you put 20% down, right? So if you put 3.5% down or only 3% down, your max purchase price is a bit lower. If you put 20% down, that kind of gives you more buying power, in a sense. It reduces your monthly payment. It reduces your monthly payment. Yep. More down. Yep. Because then at that point, with 20% down, if you can get into a conventional loan, you don't have to worry about MI or PMI, which means you have, again, more buying power. Which is... Want to explain what that is? Yes. <laughs> so MI is mortgage insurance. Each individual kind of loan has a different one. So government loans have MIP, which is mortgage insurance premium, um, which is calculated by a certain number based on the loan amount every month. And PMI is private mortgage insurance, meaning a private third-party company insures your loan for a certain period of time until you have about 20% equity in the home. But some loans will always have that 20 even if you have paid into mm -hmm. and you have now 20% equity mm -hmm. paid into the home with FHA, is that correct? Yeah. FHA, they keep... FHA will definitely make sure that you keep that MI on it as long as you have the life of that loan. If Even if you have 40 or 50% with FHA, the MI stays on. You can always call your servicer and see if they'll take it off, but or refinance. Refinance is actually the best way to do it. <laughs> but if you're going to keep the FHA loan, you can try. I mean, they used to do it before, but it's not something they really do nowadays because it's just part of the government loan. Because they they lowered the amount of insurance they're charging, right? Yeah. So earlier this year, um, like I said, MI is calculated by a certain number based on the loan amount. Um, earlier this year, uh, the MI rate for FHA was 0.85% of the loan amount per year. It went down to 0.55%. So it actually gave a lot of people more buying power this year because that difference is pretty significant. It was anywhere between 50 to a couple hundred bucks per month per person, depending on the loan amount. Lowers that mortgage payment yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. That helps. And, and mortgage insurance is calculated into your monthly payment or your debt to income ratios. So it's kind of, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, so how much, how little do we have to put down? Uh, well, uh, depends on the loan, right? VA? VA 0%. If you have these, if you get a COE, which is Certificate of Eligibility, um, and it shows that you can purchase that home with 0% down. Um, again, you can put more down if you want. Uh, or if you don't even have the total amount of cert, uh, COE, I know that we did a loan actually last year or something like that. We did. They had another home tied up here in the city and they wanted to buy out in Perum. Man, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have one of those and the guy put, I think 10% down just to cover the difference. So with VAs, I'm not going to get too detailed, but just an FYI, your COE will determine whether or not you put 0% down. But if you have your money tied up in another loan with your VA and you're purchasing another home um, with your VA loan, you can use the remaining of your COE to cover a certain amount. COE? Certific cert certificate <laughs> certification of eligibility. Okay. Um, and you just have to put on the, the difference. Uh, but 
it's, it's possible to have GBA loans and still use that. Um, now with USDA, which is a rural-based loan, and it, could only, it cannot be used in like any kind of high-dense city like Los Angeles or even Las Vegas. Yeah, Sandy Valley, Moapa, mm -hmm. um, Alamo, Beatty, Pahrump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, places like that can use the USDA loan. That one has restrictive uh, debt-to-income ratios, but it is a great loan because it also has a 0% down option. So a lot of those homes out there in those areas don't cost as much anyway. So Yeah. Great option. Mm -hmm. I, I want to do a USDA loan. Yeah. Actually, one yeah. day. They're really great and also also have very good competitive rates when it comes to, to doing the loan. Fantastic rates. Um, now, for FHA, everybody knows this one pretty well. Like, back to their hand, 3.5% down minimum. Um, you can do... In FHA loan, like we just mentioned previously, between 540 and 579 for 10% down. Um, it's obviously there because your credit risk is a little bit higher, and that's why you need to put a higher down payment. But 3.5% down for anything above that, which is still pretty low. And then for conventional loans, first-time homebuyers can only do this. You can put as little as 3% down. Mm. All right. If you're not a first-time homebuyer and you're buying another primary residence, you have to put 5% down. Are there any first-time homebuyer programs in Southern Nevada right now? There's a ton of them. Okay. We'll, we'll touch on those in a bit. But there are, there are a good hands amounts. There's ones for the state that are only statewide. There are some national grants. County. County grants. City grants. You know what I mean? The, if you guys are looking for down payment assistance programs, don't only look up the national ones or only ones for the state. Make sure your lender is aware of any city ones, national ones. Or anything like that. I'll give you an example. Like for here, we do have homes possible for Nevada, but we also have like a specific or had, I think they ran out of funds, but we had one specifically for North Las Vegas. Mm. Right. Um, and I'll give you another example in LA, Los Angeles or California, LA has its own specific down payment assistance program just for the city of LA, whereas there's also other grants that are just for the entire state. So just make sure that they're very well educated. You educate yourself on a lot of those programs um because to be honest with you for that one in los angeles i didn't even know about it it was actually my brother that brought it up yeah just find a good lender yeah. <laughs> hey we're all still learning uh it, a lot of there's so many grants and so many different programs it's just hard to keep up with them and you yeah. just got to know about them or hear about them in order to in order to be able to offer them and make sure you're getting your clients everything they need um but the numbers i just mentioned all of those down payment minimums are for first-time homebuyers only all right, so if, or for primary residents, I'm sorry, primary resident purchases. So for second homes, I think you need a minimum of like 10 or 15%. It's not bad. It's actually 10%. So minimum 10%. And for investment, it's 15%. Now, would I recommend an investor putting only 15% down on a home? If you want to, and that's all you can really do. But in the current... Depends what kind of home. Depends on what kind of home. Hey, if if, if you found a, a duplex or a fourplex, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit different. Might make sense. Yeah, it might make sense. It would make more sense if, if you're going to live in it first. Yeah, live in it first. Yeah, but that's what everybody's doing. Yeah, and, and it's smart. There's just not a lot of that product here. Yeah, not in Las Vegas, but it, it is one of the smarter ways or better ways to kind of only put fifteen percent down. But the reason I wouldn't suggest for it if it's any other kind of property in a sense is because. As an investor, you want to make sure that you're making money on your investment. So you don't want to have a negative ROI on a property, right? So always run the numbers whenever you're going to be doing stuff like that and just make sure how much you need to put down, figure out what the rates are. And if I 
talk to your real estate agent, right? And find That's out right. what those rents are. That's right. So um, you just want to make sure that you're kind of. Make sure it pencils out. <laughs> Pens out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm old school. It's okay. I, I don't like my pencils. I'll just type it up. Make sure it's, it's locked and it can't be deleted. Um, but yeah, those are the minimum down payments that you need to put down. And that'll kind of determine like how much you feel like you need to put down, right? Not everybody can really afford putting more than those amounts, especially nowadays with home prices. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough is a word. Yeah. Saving 10, 15%. And then on top of that, you have closing costs. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. And as Merrick mentioned, down payment isn't the only thing you're going to be paying. There are additional costs of doing a loan in those will be discussed soon, but closing costs aren't cheap either. Mm-mm. It's almost like another down payment in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what state you're in and all the, the fees un- associated with it. Cost um, of doing business. Yeah, absolutely. We, there's so many people. I will say this the, before we even get to it, but closing costs are just additional costs for the lender. They're additional costs for the title companies or lawyer company maybe you're using third-party vendors that we're using and a few prepaids, but it's it does add up. You know what I mean? It's just a couple hundred dollars here, a couple thousand dollars here. It all adds up. You mentioned lawyer. Lawyer is not in Nevada, but some states- Some states, yeah. Some states use lawyers instead of title companies. I'm not 100% familiar on that one because I don't live in a state with lawyers. So title companies is what you're going to get this one. Yep. <laughs> Um, how does the bank benefit risk if I'm putting less than 20% down? No idea, huh? Hmm, no. no. All right. So it used to be the norm for you to have to put 20% down on a loan, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of mitigated the risk because if you were to default on the property, there'd be enough equity, even if the house lost some value for the loan to be able to resell that. And sometimes when the loan is reselling or when the bank, sorry. When the bank is reselling a property, sometimes they're either selling it at market value or sometimes they have to take it at a, have to sell it at a slightly lower amount mm-hmm. than what the property's worth just to make sure that they get it off their books, right? Yep. Unless they're going to hold on to it for a second. But there have been some changes over the decades where it makes it a little bit more attainable to get into a property. And that's where we get these programs like 0% down for VA and USDA. Or three and a half percent down for FHA, or even three percent down for conventional. Um, and the way that's mitigated is through two things. One, FHA has its mortgage insurance premium, like we mentioned earlier. Um, the reason we're paying this mortgage insurance premium, or this yeah, this mortgage insurance premium for FHA, is because all that money goes into a pool of money, an, an insurance pool. Um, and if at any point an FHA loan or somebody who has an FHA loan gets goes into default and then gets sold at a loss, that money covers the bank for their loss, right? Up to a certain percentage. I think it covers up to like 20 or 25% difference. Mm. Um, for private mortgage insurance companies, they're a third party. They are taking money from you and probably a bunch of different buyers. And again, insuring the bank up to a certain amount of a loss. And it's about 20 to 25% of what the original purchase was. That way the banks don't lose out on any kind of money. So it's essentially like you're getting gap insurance, if I put it lightly, or try to kind of 
compare it to something that might, most people might understand because of cars. Um, but that's essentially how we mitigate risk. Now with VA, the way they mitigate risk is because the VA is essentially backing that up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's essentially how they do that. Um, so the next one we're going to get into is, I'm just going to move on to the next topic. Cool. I think this is a topic that you were really, really wanting to get into because you feel like most people do get confused about. Oh, yeah. Closing costs. Yep. Earnest money deposit. You even said yourself, costs. you got confused about a lot of these things as well. Yeah. Well, and a lot of clients get confused mm -hmm. um, because they start talking about their deposit. Mm -hmm. um, when do I need to get that deposit in? Yeah. Which deposit? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so it's great for us to work together, mm -hmm. have a good lender to work with mm -hmm. that can explain it on the lending side, explain it on the, on the real estate agent side. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we do during the uh, buyer's consultation mm -hmm. is go through some of these things, mm -hmm. but people, it, it, their mind is blowing up. Yeah. So much information. It, at the same it, time. Information overload. Mm -hmm. So it's good to to remind them you know about not spending any money yeah. not buying a car yeah. not not using any credit yeah. for anything except for the normal bills yeah 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 you want to you want to stay away from, well the thing you want to do is make sure like you said we're educating you guys as much as we can with most of these costs right we're trying to embed it and for lack of a better choice of phrasing kind of beat it into you that yeah, we need to do a down payment. We also have to pay these other closing costs, which include lender fees, title fees, like whatever other fees are included. There are some prepaids like inspections, appraisals, and all that other good stuff. Um, but like Rick said, there are all these additional costs that we have to account for that it's really important that you don't go spend all your money, especially if, we're account if we accounted for that to be used at the end. And it's really important that you don't go finance other things or maximize your credit cards because we also accounted for your debts to be at a certain place you know what i mean and unfortunately doing a mortgage loan is like playing with a bunch of different levers just to balance everything out and some yeah. pe for some people i can sway the levers a lot more it doesn't matter if they do these things or not because they're probably they probably didn't have a lot of credit that they used before they make a lot of money and they have really good credit or a lot of money saved up as well Whereas other people were just, you know, they're a little bit tighter on all these levers. So everything has to fit at the right spot, right? Yep. And if you're one of those people, and I slightly move this one, now we have the alarms kind of going off and now we yeah. have to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, somebody that's really interested and has that goal of purchasing home, mm -hmm. they've been saving for a couple of years, and mm -hmm. then they go out and, and buy a car or, or the, the other, per, the love, the other loved one goes yeah. out and buys a car or something yeah. major. Yeah. It can screw it all up. So yep. it's, it's good that everybody needs to be on the same page. Yeah. Same goal. Yep. Yep. And, um, and, uh, that, you know, having that earnest money deposit available and you can see their finances mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing. Um, you, you're going to know if they're going to have that earnest money deposit, yeah. if they're going to have that down payment mm -hmm. for closing. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
It's one of the things that I mentioned in the part where I went over the loan process. So you're in a money deposit. We're going we're gonna to ask for your finances. We're going to ask for your bank statements. Um, and it's really, really important that we have all these things already lined up before we get into contract. Um, you also mentioned, or the other thing I wanted to mention too, is like, I know we're talking about car payments and all this other credit stuff, but just to kind of beat a horse with a stick or a dead horse with a stick is co-signing is also an issue. Do not co-sign for anybody because yeah. that can Ugh. also have an effect on, on your purchasing power. Um, but that said, let's move on to closing costs then. Yes. All right. So the way I'm going to do closing costs here, guys, is I took an LE. I basically broke down each individual section of it. Um, and I'm going to go through each individual fee as detailed as I can in the amount of time or a lot of time we have. What's a LE? A loan estimate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if just FYI, a loan estimate is something that you will receive from your lender once you're in contract within three days, kind of giving you an estimate of all your loan costs and how much you'll need at closing, which include all your closing costs, your prepaid, sender fees, title fees, all that good jazz. And with that, they get a... What do they get? Pre-approval after? No, the pre-approval comes before that. Or, this, you, okay. don't, you don't get the LE until you're in contract. So you have already had the pre-approval. That's right. Yeah. So um, you might get a cost worksheet beforehand. Cost worksheet kind of gives you also an estimate. Yes. Um, that's going to be a much more rough estimate because I don't know what property you're getting into. The loan estimate is going to be a lot more detailed, a lot more accurate because we have the right property. So we have the property taxes, taxes that are HOA. HOAs, homeowners insurance is going to be more accurate. Your rate is going to be a lot more accurate because now we're down to the nitty gritty. So either you're locking it right then and there or you're waiting. But the LE is going to be a lot closer to your accurate numbers versus possibly your cost worksheet. Usually with the cost worksheet, I try to be a little bit more conservative just in case you do get into an expensive home. Um, but nine times out of 10, costs are a little bit lower than what I'm anticipating. Oh, I, I like the cost worksheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm anticipating for the worst and it's better to be, it's better to be safe than sorry, in my opinion, with yeah. costs. You know what I mean? And, and for people to have an idea, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be correct, but some kind of idea mm -hmm. of what their mm -hmm. payment's going to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. Some people's eyes get big. <laughs> but in all honesty, that's just, like you said earlier, the cost of doing business. That's right. All right. All right. So let's start unpacking these. Let's start off with section A of a cost worksheet, the lender fees. Um, so each individual lender is going to be a little bit different when it comes to these. Um, some lenders have slightly lower, slightly higher lender fees. They might be called lender fees. They might be called origination costs. They might be called, um, what is that called? Processing and um, underwriting fees. Each lender has a different way of expressing it on the lender cost sheet. But just know at the end of the day, that's just what the lender fee is or what they're charging you to do that loan themselves. Right? Got to get paid. Got to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other costs are either going to be points. All right. Explain those. Yeah. So points are the cost for your rate. Now, depending on the market, you might find that you that rates are a little bit higher, right? And you want to get a lower rate. Well, you, I will be shopping for different rates for you. And then I'll let you know what it'll cost you in order to get that rate that day. So let's just say rates today are 7%, but you're not comfortable with that rate or that payment and you wanted to bring it down to 6.5%. I'll shop around with the different um, partners that we have to figure out which 
one would be the cheapest one for you to get into. And then I'll present that to you in a cost worksheet or an LE. And that's to save a half a point. That's just to save half a percent or half a point on it. Now, it does not equate that way. You can't say I'm going to save, I'm going to, I want to lower my rate by half a percent. So I'm going to pay half a point. That's not how that works. Right. Right. It's a lot more complex and complicated than that. And I'm not going to get into it in this because it really is a lot more complicated and complex to that. But let's just say that you are going to the grocery store and you are trying to buy a different brand of something. Each and each one is going to be just a little bit different in cost. Right. So it's, it's just complex. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's really, really complex. Each individual lender is going to have their own rates or costs. Everything's going to be pretty similar and close in cost, but they're all going to be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have on there? We could potentially have credits, right? You can take on a higher rate. Let's just say we're in a better rate market and you're okay with a slightly higher payment, but you need a little bit more help with your costs. You can take on a lender credit. You can say, okay, I'd rather take the slightly higher rate as long as they're going to pay me a little bit more or assist me a little bit more with my costs, right? That doesn't happen very often, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. I think I had some people actually do it during the 2020 market where they just took on a rate that was like three and a half percent versus just 3% in order to help them get into that house because they were just short a little bit of funds to get in, mm-hmm. you know? Um, now yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> short-lived. <laughs> short-lived. <laughs> Yeah, went away too quickly. It went away too quickly. Not soon <laughs> enough, sir. Did you not see that market? Not soon enough. Um, but I will add one more thing about points, though. Um, just FYI, points are essentially just a pre... You're paying interest up front. Um, and I will give you guys a tip. If you're going to be doing points, make sure you talk to your lender to figure out if it makes sense at that time. Um, there are a lot of different reasons why I would either suggest it or not suggest it. But it's always a good idea to talk to your lender about your specific situation and what market we're in if you're considering doing that. Um, I will say this, and this is my opinion, in this market, where we're at right now and today when we're filming this, I believe it's the 30th of November or the 29th of November, with rates on the trajectory of going down, assuming that they're going to go down, I wouldn't be paying points right now be- yeah. because you're, you're going to lose out on money. Just yep. just get the closest to par rate. And by par, I mean the closest to no cost rate, no additional cost rate. And then in a few months, sometime next year, after six payments, or maybe even in a year, if rates are better, just do the refinance. Much better option. I think they're going to go down. Um, I'm pretty confident. Got my crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rick's crystal ball, by the way. <laughs> uh, but it, and just like a side note right now, I know, I, I know I've talked to you a lot about it, but rates have been going down lately. So we've had a good three-week run so far. It's an election year. Election years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Election yeah. years are great. We're, we're looking spicy for... They're still talking about how it's going to land, uh, if we're going to have a hard or soft landing. Oh, yeah. The we're Fed. have a little recession. Um, I won't, yeah. I, I won't get into detail on this, but I had seen the news today. And I will just say that the Federal Reserve members, a couple of them aren't seen eye to eye. One person feels like, oh, we're, we're great. We're doing good, yada, yada, yada. And the other person's like, no, we still might need to raise rates. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so there could be another rate increase. Small chance. But potentially. Potentially. Anything's possible. Yeah, in December. Right? Yep. Um, I think the markets are predicting 90% no. 90% no. Based on what we're seeing. The only thing... 
that I seen today that might have been pushing it towards a different direction as the GDP numbers came in stronger for the year, but I think things are starting to slow down at this point. So I don't think we're going to have too much of an issue with that. Mm. But I like it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. Yeah, we're gonna. They may do something. Yeah, we'll be good. I I, I have a I have a feeling in my as my uh, South African friend says I have a feeling in my water. <laughs> my what? My water. What water? I forget how she says it. It's a different accent though, um, and I'm not good with accents, FYI. But again, I digress from that as well. So, do you have anything to add on lender fees or anything like that? Not really. No. Um, some there's some lenders that have junk fees, and mm. one thing I, w- I do want to say: don't go with the cheapest lender, mm. like um, these nationwide lenders. Yeah, <laughs> I want to so bad. I know the other, but, I had but, but do the it. big I had and, and they they advertise a lot, and, yeah. and they 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 help a lot of people. Yeah, but for for certain homes, mm-hmm. quality quality they may not be able to get you into that home Mm -hmm. certain condos Mm -hmm. uh, high rises Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. you need a local lender yeah you i know you want to save like a couple hundred bucks yeah yeah basically you're saving a couple hundred bucks yeah but maybe 500 yeah by going with a cheaper lender yeah but when you're looking at the big scheme of things and how much you're already spending quality versus quantity is usually the case. Do you right? want the home or not? Do you want the home and do you want things to run smoothly? Get a lender that will get you into the home. Yeah, educated. Somebody's going to Okay, what did she say? Uh I loved what Rachel said before. So two Cs. You want them to be comfortable and something else. <laughs> but that's all I remember. You you want them to be confident and comfortable. Right? So you want to have a very smooth tra- transaction. And you don't want to feel like you're stressing out the whole way through. If you can't go have coffee with a lender, mm-hmm. don't use them. That's true. Or lunch. I, or just, thought, I, I just thought about that. Or steak. Mm, steak. I know. Steaks. We got to do that someday still. Mm. Tacos. Tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Tacos are great, guys. Yes. Um, so let's move on to the section two. Third-party fees you did not shop for. Um, meaning that we as a company already ordered these vendors for you and we can't really shop for them. Um, one of those will be your credit report. So most of you guys already know, once we're doing the loan application, we have to order your credit report. We already have companies we are tied with and that we feel comfortable with. Um, and that's how we run your credit. You cannot run your credit and send it to me. That's not how this works. I have to run your credit myself. Um, the other one is appraisal, right? Now, as a lender, we don't get to choose who our appraisal appraiser specifically is, um, but we do work with third-party companies that we trust that put out appraisers out there. Um, the reason for it is because they, you know, 2008 was wild, but we we need to get an appraisal on the property most of the time, right? Um, the other one is a flood cert. In some cases, they'll need to certify that your home is not in a flood zone area. All right. I know that in Vegas, for the most part, no. It's, it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks but, to the Corps of Engineers. Good for them. Yeah. Or who, whoever built these, these. I'm glad they did it. Yeah. I would hate to. The water be in, basins. Yeah. I would hate to be in a flood area. Um, but if you want to live in a flood area, you do. You. Well, um, 
one thing to think about that, mm-hmm. um, for instance, Perump. Mm-hmm. If you need help with flood insurance, mm-hmm. talk to an insurance agent uh, in Perump. Yep. Not in Las Vegas. Rates are going to be different. Yep. Uh, I agree. I uh, I actually reached out to you, Rick. Uh, I had some clients that were looking for flood zone or flood insurance. And they were just went to like national lenders and all that other stuff. And things were getting expensive. Yeah. And then we, I called the contact that you gave me and day and night. Yeah. Day and night in the rates. And, Huge. Yeah. And the thing about flood insurance is it's separate. It's, it, doesn't, it is a separate insurance on top of your regular homeowner's insurance. So you're going to have basically an additional payment every month or every year with your flood cert or your flood zone yep. insurance. Because somebody local. Yeah, exactly. Think about that, guys. You, if you really want to penny pinch anywhere, it's definitely going to be in the smaller things that you're going to be making on regular payments on, which is like your homeowner's insurance, flood, flood insurance, if you have it. Um, those are the two things you can really Yeah, and can you go control. have a cup of coffee with that insurance? Actually? Yeah, <laughs> can you have a cup of coffee? <laughs> I've never had one not, with mine. Not, not with Jake or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to have coffee with Jake from State Farm, you know? <laughs> Seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Um, but which, which Jake? Isn't there a couple of them? <laughs> yeah. There are different Jakes now, yeah. but everybody's name is Jake. Great commercial. It, it is great. I love it. I love their commercials. It's great. Good marketing. Yes. Good marketing. Um, let's go on to the next one. So section C services you can shop for. Right. Now I'll, I'll preface with this. You you're you when you're working with a real estate agent. They're usually there to kind of provide you with a list of people you can work with, or they'll suggest who they've worked with before and feel comfortable. And that's their opinion, and that's um, what their the experiences they've had with those people. Um, title companies is one of those, and that's pretty basically the services you can shop for. All right, there are a ton of title companies in a ton of different cities, um, but your title company is going to be basically your third-party liaison around this right so how do you go about picking your title companies um well or the ones you've worked with well when you're helping with a helping a buyer Mm -hmm. a lot of the times sellers will there might be a situation Mm -hmm. uh, a trust or it might Mm -hmm. be a a foreign corporation Mm -hmm. something like that where you need to use the title company that the seller has already procured. Okay. So those would be cases where it feels a little bit you feel a little bit more inclined to use that one. Yeah, I mean if they've done all the work because mm-hmm. it can be a lot of work to, especially with trust to yeah. figure out all the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Just make it easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can ask to use your title company and mm-hmm. they can switch it over but just make it smooth. Yeah. Just be happy. Yep. Hey, Mr. Buyer, are you happy using their title company? Yeah. They have a trust set up and it's kind of uh, amb- ambiguous and needs to be sorted out and it's all sorted out and mm-hmm. they're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things where you want to make sure that you're confident with the transaction and confidence is key when it comes to making sure that the people who are dealing with it already have their ducks in a row, right? And the title company is, as much as you don't see, the times you deal with the title company are going to be A, when you put your earnest money, or your earnest money deposit down, right? And then B, once you're closer to closing, right? So you don't necessarily see them too often in the transaction. 
but they are an important role in the transaction. Yeah. You know what? They're actually on our team. Mm -hmm. When, when we have our title person picked out mm -hmm. or if we're using somebody else, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's, they're helping us get what we want. Yep. 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 To sell or buy. Yep. So you're on the team, they're on the team, but they're, they're kind of a, a neutral third party, mm -hmm. but, but still you, you want, yeah, they're, they're going to help you. Yeah. They, they, they want this transaction to, to close as well. Yeah. And the funny thing you said that is because I know I brought it up before, but when you are buying a house, you're, you're, you're hand selecting your team to play for you, right? Yeah. It's like your agent, your lender, the title company could be one of those as well. Even if the title company already has the paperwork with the other company, like they're just there to mitigate and make sure everything moves smoothly. That we're able to get the money transferred from one person to another, make sure the escrows are in line, and making sure that that property records. And they should stay neutral. Yeah, yeah. And they normally do. They're, yes. they're just there to accommodate a lot of the extra stuff that I've we need to do. I've had issues. Not going to go into it. I have to. I will not go into it. This was actually on my first year, but I will not go into that one. Um, but let me go over some of the titles. So the, what's the purpose of a title company? So for, again, we just talked about them being the middleman, right? But they also do a little bit more than that. They, they actually make sure the title is free and clear so you don't have any issues in the future. Yep. No right? liens, no encumbrances. Yeah. Stuff right? like that. You're, you're buying it free and clear. Yeah, exactly. And that way, something, if something does happen in the future and somebody tries to come in and say, well, this was my property or this lien was on this already, they're insured you. So they'll take care of that because they should have done that at close. Now, this yep. has to be prior to you purchasing the home. Anything that happens after that, that's... Well, okay. I got a story Yeah. Uh, regarding that. I yeah. bought a property in Texas. Mm -hmm. And when I purchased the property, I remember seeing a stake mm -hmm. on the corner. And when I went back, it, it's just vacant land that I have leased out mm -hmm. with cattle on it. So when I went back a couple of years mm -hmm. to visit family in Texas, the stake was gone. So... And somebody put up a fence, a neighbor. So I started asking questions and mm -hmm. I got the title company involved and uh, the fence was wrong. The, the, the fence wasn't oh, line, the, line the property correct. line. The property line was not correct. Yeah. So the title company paid for a, a survey to be done. Really? And they, they found that... Uh, it was off, so they paid me $800 to make it go away, basically. Nice. Yeah. That's good. So title companies do a bit more than... Yeah, and you know it took a little while, but, mm -hmm. but they were great. Yeah. So title companies... And, and that's not a big deal. I mm -hmm. mean, there's some huge... There's bigger things yeah. than that. But, but that's just one small little story that I have. Yeah, that title companies do play some sort of role. It's just like they're one of those people that... They're the... They, they, we just don't hear about them as often as most people would. In a yeah. sense, not in most situations. Um, the other thing they do is they ensure that the lenders, they ensure them with a letter saying that everything's free and clear. That way, the lenders protected. And then they handle our escrow fees initially, right? Like your initial deposit or any other credits that maybe, maybe going. Maybe there's like a post possession credit yep. kind of going on. Like if they're running rent backs and all that other stuff. Anything that has to do with money. Mm -hmm. in, in the transaction, mm -hmm. um, because the title company is is going to be uh, reconciling 
mm-hmm. balancing balancing everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. They also balance everything for us to make sure everything is take to the penny. Yeah, to the penny. These guys will send things back and say we don't balance. This is off by this now. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then we just have to go through the whole thing and figure out what doesn't belong there or what should be added, whatever the case may be. So after it's balanced, that's when you send out the uh, CD. Yep. Yep. Closing disclosure, guys. That's basically your loan estimate, but with your final numbers. And three days before. Yes, there's a a rescission period of three days prior to closing or signing. 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 You can't sign until three business days afterwards. Saturdays do count. Holidays do not. So just FYI. Good to know. Yeah, very good to know. Um, And then, so all those sections right there, if you're looking at a loan estimate, will be summed up in section D, I believe, at the bottom for both your costs that you've already paid for or that you owe at closing. And then there's a section on the right side that says that you've already paid for. One of those costs or the only cost that normally comes up in that case is usually your appraisal because that's something you have to pay for beforehand. Um, So when we're ordering an appraisal, you have to pay for that appraisal because they're a third-party company. Home inspection as well. Home inspection as well. That would actually not be on the loan estimate. No. No. But it is. It is something. Yeah. And home inspections, again, I will always say this, recommend it. And that's something people have to be ready for. Mm -hmm. Uh, That earnest money deposit, Mm -hmm. the home inspection, um, maybe a re-inspection. There might be a re-inspection if they have to go back. If the seller didn't leave the electricity on or the gas on or... Or if they feel like they found something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, that too. Right. And we've yeah. had that before. Yeah, you can have that done. Yep. Absolutely. Um, especially if it's something, especially if the appraiser said, uh, not as is, but subject to, right? Sometimes when you're doing appraisals, mm-hmm. there are certain things, the conditions conditions that need to be addressed beforehand. And that might just be either something with code. Or it can be something like for regulations or guidelines for like FHA or something like that because they yeah. require certain things. FHA. Uh, they're fun. Yeah. Straight loan product. Well, FHA, NBA, they're more strict. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see peeling paint, mm-hmm. um, uh, stair rails leading up to a home or, or something. They don't want those wobbly. They want everything sturdy. Would you? Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I don't know. It kind of depends what kind of home. <laughs> I don't want my mom to visit. I want that thing wobbly. <laughs> Leave it alone. Uh, but yeah. No, it's just there are reinspection fees. I didn't even think about that one. It's not that much, but no. it's it's something to consider, right? Now the next section is our taxes and government fees. These are pretty straightforward. Um, we're gonna have recording fees. That's just the county or city or state having to record your loan to the county records. And in Southern Nevada, you don't get the keys till it's recorded. recorded. Yep. So just because you signed and just sent the money, it's not over yet. Yeah, you're not gonna get the keys. Yeah. A lot of people think. Once you sign, where's the keys? Mm-hmm. Let's go. I want to get inside the house. No. no. You have to make sure it's recorded first. Now it's yours. That's right. Right? Um, and then the other one is transfer taxes. Um, transfer taxes is obviously transferring the property from you to the other person. It's just, in my opinion, the city or county or whatever trying to get their fair share. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's more money. It's, uh, it's a cost, taxes, though, guys. Yeah. It's a cost. Um, so those are essentially those for the taxes and government fees. Now, the next section, I think this is where most people get confused because prepaids and initial escrow payments, these are where, in my opinion, it gets a lot more confusing. So for your prepaids, you're going to have to pay your homeowner's insurance, or we're going to be paying your homeowner's insurance upfront for one year because we normally do a one-year policy. 
So if you're shopping and your homeowner's insurance policy for the year is supposed to be like $1,000, we're going to collect that $1,000 right there, right? That's why we'll ask you beforehand, hey, pick your homeowner's insurance policy and have them send us all the documentation so we can make sure we pay them. At closing, um, the other one is you might have to pay possibly some upfront mortgage insurance premium costs, maybe some upfront HOA costs, right? Yep. Um, if you don't know what an HOA is, it's homeowners association. Very common here in Las Vegas. Very common. Right. Um, some people like them. Some people don't. Um, let's see. Property taxes. We're going to be paying any property taxes that might be coming due within the next few months. Usually property taxes are either paid every three, six months or one year, depending on the county or city. Right. Um, I think it's three months here, right? In Nevada. I think so. I think, I it's, every three months. <laughs> I think it's every three months here. Um, and then if you're closing on the first of the month, 15th of the month, or even 27th of the month, we're going to be collecting, um, the interest per day for the rest of that month. All right. Because you're not going to be making any payments this month. So we need to collect those in advance. And title and escrow takes care of that. Title and escrow will be paying for that at, with your closing costs yes. for sure. Um, now here's where it gets confusing with it, right? So then we have the initial escrow payments like i mentioned your first payment your well you're closing let's just say you're closing on the first of the month right let's, we'll, we'll say december 1st mm -hmm. all right your first payment isn't going to be due until february 1st so you basically have all of december what you're paying pre in your prepaid right for that month and then you're not paying anything for january yeah, so basically, yeah, you have all of December to move out of that rental. Yeah, you have all of December. <laughs> you have all of December, and you'll be free and clear. So you're basically you're not going to really have any payments for about two months, a month and a half, depending on what part of the month you closed. Um, but we're just going to be collecting, since you won't be paying anything, we're going to be collecting your escrows, which is your mortgage insurance, your property taxes, homeowners insurance for two months. That way, we, we have them already saved up and put into an escrow account. That way, when it's time to pay those, we already have that money. Now, just a quickly talk about an escrow account because it's going to be very important because i'm mentioning escrow a lot your money like your homeowner's insurance your taxes and all that stuff sits in an escrow account which is a just a bank account in a sense right or a pool of money of your money used to pay whatever comes due for your property so when your property taxes come due it's pulled from that when your homeowner's insurance comes due it's paid from that right yep and then you don't have to worry about it as a person. Yep. Lender wants to make sure it gets paid or the bank. The bank wants to make sure <laughs> because the biggest lien is not paying your property taxes. Yeah. Um, because we know the government loves their money. Um, yeah. And the HOA. HOA as well. It can be nasty. They can. But the thing is, once the payments come due, like HOAs are your responsibility, right? So we will never put your HOA into your actual monthly payment. Those are... Your responsibility. Pay them HOAs. Yeah. But pay the HOAs, dude. They're wild. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure you take care of your lawn because HOAs are wild. Pull them weeds. <laughs> Pull them weeds. Make After sure all the rain we got, whoo. Yeah. Make sure your trash cans aren't visible. Uh, whatever they want, man. Whatever they want. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> HOAs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was the president of my HOA once. Yeah. Were you? I, I, I oh, didn't even get that involved. Was, that was fun. I just, I just received the letters. I fix it. Move on. 
That's, I, I, when I was president, I still got the letters. Did you? Yeah. Just yeah. For silly stuff. Yeah. It's always silly stuff. Yeah. Bro. It's always silly stuff. It's okay. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I'm going to say this as much as I'm saying these things about HOAs, like they do have a purpose and they, as long as they aren't really dragging you out for a lot of money, they keep communities, you know, well kept. Yeah. No broken down jalopies out front. Mm hmm. Oil stains. Yeah, I'm from LA, so that was very common. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you guys know what I'm talking about. Not a Sanford and Son situation in the backyard. Having your own business, having a bunch of people walking Running in a business, out, yeah. Someone taking up all the street parking. Ugh. Right? Ugh. Because you have 20 people living in one house. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's my grandma's house back in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are essentially the difference between your prepaid. So your prepaid is essentially just going to be Things that we need to prepay immediately, whereas your initial escrow payments are just going to be money worth saving up, just to go over that. Now, other fees that might come up that you'll see on your um, loan estimate or your closing disclosures is like the real estate commissions, broker fees, and a bunch of other things maybe even the seller's paying for for themselves. Um, or maybe there's a credit. Maybe you need to pay back the seller for a certain amount of taxes they already prepaid. Things like that will come mm. up in the other section. Yeah. So there, those can vary a lot, really depending on what the circumstances is. So I don't want to get too much into detail on that. Um, just make sure that when you are reading it, go over it with your loan officer because it, it, it does vary a lot from, from, from person to person. And I want to point out, if you're a buyer, mm -hmm. ask what those broker fees are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm, I'm going to say something a little controversial, maybe for real estate agents. So my broker, uh -huh. there's a minimum that we can charge mm -hmm. that goes to the broker. Yeah. But anything I charge to that buyer above that, above that goes to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Pays my gas, my Starbucks, whatever. Hmm. Um, to me, that's not right. Uh, buyers, oh, I'm sorry. Agents will, will charge this to buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, they do inflate it, mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's their business. They can do whatever they want. Pay for pictures mm -hmm. they're, uh, with a seller. Yeah. Um, so for for um, buyers, mm -hmm. it could be you're, you're giving them money mm -hmm. to buy you a, a, a gift, a closing gift. Yeah. What's the point, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just charge the minimum. Yeah. Or eat it. Because uh, I'll, I'll tell you, my broker, 375. That's the lowest. Yeah. That, that, that goes to him, 375. That's what, I, that's what I charge my client. It does yeah. not go to me. Yeah. I've seen $1,200 that a buyer has paid to his agent. I don't think that $1,200 is going to the brokerage. Uh, it's a lesser known brokerage, smaller ones. Yeah, smaller, but <laughs> but but still, it's it's like ask ask for all these fees. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be on contracts. Yeah, are you going to pay for this? And yeah, will or will not. Yeah, I will want to say this because because you said that I don't want people to think that lenders can do that. Our lender fees don't go anything to us. That's what the lender does. Just FYI, guys. Yep. Uh, brokers, good point. Brokers and agents have different ways of working together. 
or as lenders work differently with their companies, FYI, but that is a good point. Um, you know, it's already a really, really hot topic, I think, when it comes to realtor commissions with everything kind of going on with all the what are those things going on? That, all that, the lawsuits going on? Yeah, that's going to be for another topic. Yeah. I guess but it's, it's it, going to be interesting what's going on. It's going to be fun. But yeah. we will actually make something once that all comes down. But it, it is a very interesting topic. Now, let's go on to everybody's, I think, probably going to be one of my best things. And I think I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. But strategies to managing your costs. So what I mean by strategies to managing your costs is how can we, how can you as a buyer or even a seller, whatever the case may be, how can you either save up money or understand these costs or find ways, alternative means to help you with these costs, right? Um, I think the first one will be down payment assistances, down payment assistance programs and grants, right? We if, talk, you, if you qualify. If you qualify for them, yeah. Most down payment assistance and grant, down payment assistance programs or DPAs is what I'll call them from here on forward. Um, are usually for first-time home buyers. There are some caveats sometimes where you don't have to be it, for, but for the most part, they're designed for first-time home buyers, right? Yes, yeah. um, but there's also programs for teachers, mm -hmm. uh, medical field, mm -hmm. doctors. Mm, I, I've seen doctor. There's no programs, down payment assistance programs, at least not nationally or not not down payment, but but. There are programs for programs. it. There are programs specifically for them because of the way they get paid and the residency issue. Yes. Because there, there's some guidelines around that. But when it comes to the down payment assistance programs or the grants, they're usually more tailored for first-time homebuyers. Again, there could be caveats or little things here and there where there are exceptions to it. There is one national one that states that you don't have to necessarily be one. There is a premium for doing that. Um, there's a local one, but you have to move into specific areas. Um, Grants can be from either a local or a national grant. It can be city grant, county grant. You can even get a grant if your employer offers those things, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I just want to preface on this: like these grants, down payment assistance programs, can be contributed towards your down payment assistance or your down payment, yeah, or close to cost, whatever you choose, okay. right? So that way. Yes, you have to come up with the down payment, but these are the only programs you can use or credits you can use towards that to help you alleviate that cost. So now the next one is seller concessions. Rick, what are some seller concessions? Um, well, some concessions could be... Um, what are seller concessions, essentially? A, a seller concession is when a seller will give a, a, a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. It can't be ridiculous amount yeah it, it, because it has to fit with whatever your lending guidelines mm -hmm. right yes sir so you got it so uh just because a seller is willing to give you twenty thousand dollars doesn't mean you can get use it all yeah it doesn't mean you can use it all so mm -hmm. you, you try to use up whatever you can whatever that seller is giving which is happening quite a bit for the past year mm -hmm. uh once the interest rates started rising mm -hmm. it, it's a tool that sellers have been using to help people get into that home, mm -hmm. make them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's to sweeten the pot, to, mm -hmm. to, to help it, help sell the house. Help sell the house and help the... Lower, and, lower their rate, yep. less money out of the, uh, their, their savings account to, mm -hmm. for that down payment. Yep. So essentially a seller concession is, and you can put it into the contract. This is what you do. This is when you go into, offering, into the, to the offering table, right? 
you can ask like, hey, I'll give you X amount for this house, but I want $10,000 in closing costs. And it can be uh, any amount, not any amount, but any amount within the guidelines of that loan. Um, and you can use that towards either paying for your closing costs. You cannot use it towards your down payment. Seller concessions cannot be used for your down payment. Or you can use it towards buying down your rate, which is also part of your closing costs, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason a lot of people were doing this right now is because in this market, they were utilizing that tool in order to help people with get better rates. You know what I mean? Because, again, buying down the rate was going to help you with your payment. Right? And, and it could also pay for home warranties. Home warranties, yep. Stuff like that. Yeah, it could pay for a good amount of things. And But I would not ask for $10,000 in closing costs. <laughs> And a home warranty. <laughs> and a home warranty? Why well, not, Rick? Well, it depends. Yeah. You know, you, you, you don't want to assault the seller. Yeah, I mean, how you, long has the house been on the market, Rick? Well, it, it depends. Everything, <laughs> everything depends. You know, yeah. if, if you find out that there's a situation mm -hmm. as a buying agent, mm -hmm. if you get those vibes from the selling agent, or, yep. or maybe perhaps you saw the home and the owner was there and you overheard something or saw something. Yeah. He tells. Yeah. You know, having an agent that will pick up mm -hmm. on, on the, um, on how soon that seller wants to get out of the house. Yeah. Or, or, or what they're going through. Yeah. It can really help. Yep. Determine that. Yep. I mean, you can ask for the world and that mm -hmm. seller is like, Hey, I got a buyer that wants my, my home it's motivation right that it's motivation let's let's get rid of it give them whatever mm -hmm. they want yeah i think motivation is going to be key right there how motivated is that seller to sell right yeah. and how motivated are you to buy what are you going to do and the key thing about these seller concessions is yeah you might have it in the initial contract you can actually change that down the line as well it can get lower it can get higher depending yeah. on the situation let's just say you asked for ten thousand dollars in closing costs but then midway through the thing you did your inspection and you found out a, this needs a little bit of fixing, or that needs a little bit of fixing. I need maybe they'll add a little bit more of a credit to. But if help they're already us. if they're already offering ten thousand, and you're at you know the max where, if you're you at the max, you can't. So in and you need uh, some repairs made. That seller needs to make the repairs. Yeah, not yeah. give you. Always talk to your lender, right? So we'll go for an example with there. So what Rick is saying is, let's use FA, let's use conventional as an example, actually. So conventional uh, loans allow the seller to offer up to X amount of credits or everybody, any third-party contribution that can come from anybody, from the real estate agent, the lender, or the seller, all of that combined. Um, it, up to a certain amount, it's 3% of the purchase price, up to another amount, it's 6%, and up to the other down payment amount, it's 9%. Let's assume you're putting the minimum down. And the max seller concessions you can get is 3%. And let's just say this house is worth $300,000. If you ask for $10,000 in closing costs, once we get to closing, I'm not going to be able to use $1,000 because that's above the regulated amount, right? Let's just say you asked for $9,000 and then there's repairs. That's where that comes in, right? You have to have the fixed repairs because even if you ask for more money, I can't do anything with it. That's right. Right? Um, the so it's always a good idea to make sure, and it's always in your best interest to know that your lender and your real estate agent are both communicating these things. Working as a team. Exactly. So gotcha. that's, that's where we were going kind of with that, right? Because it's yep. going to get a little... So you guys have a better understanding. Yeah. Yep. 
agents, we have egos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really want to help our our buyer Mm -hmm. get into that home or whatever. So let's do this. Let's Mm -hmm. do that without talking to the lender who's like, man, you can't really do this. It's not going to work out. Yeah. 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 Not the way you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want it to work out like this, yeah. but it's not going to happen. I'm glad they signed the document and said yes, but cool. I try not to get into the lending yeah. stuff, but that's why I contact you. Yeah. I don't make stuff up. Yeah. I think it's also still a good idea for agents to have a minimum understanding of certain things. Yes. When it comes to contract that's writing. Me. I'm at the minimum. Yeah. Minimums for contract writing. I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Because if somebody starts asking me questions, I, I don't want to have that answer. I want yeah. them to go to you. Yeah. I'm not the expert. Yeah. Because it could always be a little bit more information I can ask about it and maybe find out more. And maybe they're asking something that, that I think mm-hmm. they, I have the answer for, but it's really something that yeah. I can't answer. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't want to give the wrong answer. You want to talk to the uh, subject matter expert about those things <laughs> if you want the right answer that's right right unless you want just a vague answer or maybe or whatever you're not going to get it from the opposite like i'm not going to tell you anything about houses and all these other things i don't i, I look at zillow guys just like you guys <laughs> that is not my that is not my expertise you know what i mean uh or one of those big companies whatever but always talk to your real estate agent about the house and anything physically with it and talk to your lender about the finances Simple as that, you know? That's right. Um, the other thing you can do to minimize your costs is shop around for insurance. Yes. Right? If you're going to do homeowner's insurance, like we just talked about earlier with the flood insurance. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Just, well, yeah. Let's say you're, you're, you're living in Vegas now mm-hmm. and you want to go somewhere else the, mm-hmm. in the outlying areas. Mm-hmm. Let's say Pahrump for, for now. Mm-hmm. You, you have that insurance agent that you um, have been using mm-hmm. while you lived in Las Vegas. Yeah. And you get a quote from him to go to Pahrump, and it's astronomical. Yeah, like hundred some odd bucks versus because it's right on the edge of a flood zone or something. Yeah, and, um, they don't have all the information, so mm-hmm. so it's good to to get a, other quotes. Yeah, stay local, guys. Yeah, stay local. Most of the time, stay local. Um, and then yeah, if I have two insurance, homeowners insurance is one of um flood insurance. Are there any other kind of insurances? No. Or yeah, I just. No, uh, like if you're in those other states, maybe you have like some wind insurance or I don't know what the other insurances are like in hurricane areas. But these are essentially the two main ones that you'll probably be shopping for. Um, the other thing you can do is find lower property taxes. Um, I will tell you guys this here uh, and I'll give you an example here in Las Vegas, right? You think in any state for the most part, if you're going to buy a newer home, your property taxes are going to be higher. Party, property taxes are a part of your monthly payment, right? So if you want to alleviate some of those prepaid costs or even your payment. Either consider if you're going to consider buying new, just understand property tax is going to be higher, so your payments can be higher. Yeah, if if you want a low property tax, buy a manufactured home, or yeah, or a much older home, or yeah, east side, uh, northwest, some areas, it, mm-hmm. it just older home. Yeah, property taxes are a public, uh, a public information. You can see that on there, right? So you can understand how much it's going to cost you every month, yep. right? So manufactured homes is definitely one of them. <laughs> they're very cheap. Yeah, um, if you can stand one. Yeah. Hey, there's some nice ones, man. Yeah, they're getting so, better. There's some, I know they're starting to build new ones in certain areas, too. That are they're r- beautiful homes. Yeah. It, it's not the normal. It's not what people want. Mm-hmm. But you might Most get more people. of a lot, depending on what yeah. you buy, too. But it's, it's a, a lower cost. 
It is a lower cost to exactly. get into. And that's what we're doing. We're managing costs. That's right. Um, and then the last one is you can actually either get lender credits through a higher rate, or maybe the lender has some sort of program that will offer you some sort of alleviation. Just make sure you always ask about those two. But like I mentioned earlier, you can do points, or you can take on a slightly higher rate to get more credits. Now, is your payment going to go a little bit higher? That's fine, right? Like right now, I don't think anybody wants to go on a higher rate. But you, if there are credits available right now with rates right now, and you take on a slightly higher rate right now, and then six months to a year because the rates are expected to go down, you're getting free money right now, maybe making a little bit more in payments for the next few months. And then, you know. You know, that's the thing. If you can afford the monthly payment, mm -hmm. get into it. Yeah. Just find something that you can purchase that you can afford. Mm -hmm. It's key. Yeah. It's definitely key. That, that, that's it. it if, if you can afford that monthly payment, no worries. You're not straining yeah. your standard of living. Mm -hmm. um, you're not penny pinching too much. I mean, that's okay to use coupons. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, bro. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not at all. My Those people are smart. <laughs> yeah, hey, it saves money. Yeah. Uh, just get in, just buy it. Yeah. If, if, it, if it pencils out, yeah. do it. Just anticipate the future. I always say this. I say this a lot. Big picture. Always big picture. Stop, stop, stop looking at things in a, in a very small scope because then you're not really looking outside of that. Like if, in this case, if you can afford the payment now and you can see in the future you can make a lower payment, go for it. it the other big picture is get into a house now because if prices go higher later in the future, you're going to be paying more for it. Another thing is if don't look at this house as your forever home, maybe you're going to use this as your step up home. Um, and then you're going to get into a bigger home and sell this one, or you can keep this home and become an investor. You know what I mean? Don't, if your end goal is just home, that's it. Okay. That's fine. That's perfectly fine for anybody. But nine times out of 10, I always feel like the person's first home they buy is not always their forever home because circumstances change. You can be single right now. Maybe it's just the two of you. And then all of a sudden you start having kids. Maybe you have dogs. Maybe you have to go somewhere else because you're relooking. There's so many things in life that happen. Think big picture or expect or plan in your head for something different. Yep. Right? It's just yep. most first homes aren't feasible for everybody all the yeah. time. So, Things change. Mm-hmm. C'est la vie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Wee, wee. Wee, wee. Yes. Nah, this is not a French podcast. <laughs> Bonjour. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think for the most part, I think we explain uh, down payment pretty efficiently. You know, it's just, you know, you're giving the bank money, the bank money for that loan just to make sure the risk is there, or the risk mitigation is there, making sure you can get into that loan. All right. We went over closing costs, basically an LE. All right. And then we told you what you can do to make it a little bit cheaper on you. Yes. To purchase a home. We yeah. to touch on other subjects in between that. Yeah, and hopefully people have a better understanding. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't understand it the first time, listen to it again. Yes. Or, <laughs> or call us. Or call <laughs> us. If you want me to explain or tell you guys what I just said, give me a call. I, I love explaining these things to people. You know what I mean? It's, it's my job, but I take my job very seriously when it comes to making sure people understand what they're getting into. Because, like I said before, 
I wish somebody would explain it to me better the first time I bought a house. Mm. So yeah, me too. Yeah, right. Me too. Right, right, right. Just a little bit better. I don't need to be an expert by the end of it, but I need yeah. to know. Yeah. Right. So, but that's basically it. Do you have anything to add, Rick? No, that's it. That's it, man. Well, I appreciate you coming by today, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) But just to cap this off, guys, if you guys enjoyed this video, please go ahead and like, share, subscribe. Well, share it if you know anybody who's actually looking to purchase a home. They may need to know this information. Maybe they're in the process of purchasing a home and need a little bit more information on any of these things. And you're also licensed in California. I'm also licensed in California and potentially can do other states as well in the future. But with that said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope to see you guys in the future and you guys have a wonderful day.